Well, welcome into the Reef, episode five here on Teal Town USA. Uh, as always, joined by one Mr. Kevin Lacey and the voice of the Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger. And since we last spoke, the Barracuda have had a historical win and a historical loss while going 5-4-1. Uh, the Cuda's historical win came in a victory over the Ontario Reign, where the Cuda were able to put up two more goals than Waffles' Tanya eight. That was awesome. <laughs> now, November was tough where the CUDA had eight losses in nine games, but since then the CUDA have points in five of their last six. We've seen Trevor Carrick get a hat trick. Cornish had a career-high 42 saves. Brodzinski's been trending up. Bergman got called up. We uh, saw Suomeli get called up, unfortunately injured since then. Uh, Joachim Blickfeld got his call up this week, and Noah Gregor got his first NHL goal. So, who else are we looking for, boys? I mean, Nolenberger. I like uh, Hobgawaks lately. How's he looking? <laughs> I mean, it seems like the entire team is starting to turn a corner. I mean, they're in, I believe they're in the top 10 in goals per game. Uh, the problem has been consistency defensively. Special teams have been a point of contention. I think the last time we talked, we talked about the penalty kill. The penalty kill sits near the bottom of the league. I think last time we checked, it was 31st out of 31 teams. So, that's been a bit of an issue. That was the difference on Saturday in the bounce-back game for Ontario. After the Barracuda handed them a 9-2 loss, Ontario came back with three power play goals. Yeah. The PK kind of tightened up on Wednesday. It wasn't a factor. So that's kind of been the difference, I feel like, in games, especially during kind of the, the rougher patches have been special teams. The power play has been pretty good as of late. It's hovering around the top 10. I think on home ice, it's second in the entire league. So power play... Also, just offense, five-on-five five play. The Barracuda are a plus team, but it's been late in games, third periods, where they're one of the worst teams in terms of plus-minus, and it's also been a bit of a struggle on the penalty kill. But that comes with a young team. I mean, they're the youngest team in the league, under 23 years of age average. So there's going to be some growing pains, but it certainly seems like everybody's starting to tighten up, um, you know, and uh, some of that youth is starting, starting to learn a little bit from some of the mistakes that, uh, you know, are par for the course early in a season. Yeah, Nick, and with the defense especially, I mean, that's the thing that I've been trying to key on since the last time we did uh, one of our In, in the Reef podcasts. Um, I feel like net front presence in terms of in helping out the goaltending was something that I've been noticing of an issue lately. Uh, do you Have you noticed anything improving, or is it just the the defense needing more time to gel. Uh, do you have any thoughts on what's going Yeah, on? I think one of the big issues was the defense kind of getting used to each other. I mean, Trevor Carrick was a guy who, you know, we talked about just a moment ago off air, but a guy that certainly um, the expectations were pretty high just because of his numbers that he put up last year. Um, one of the most, um, you know, offensively dynamic defensemen in the American League last year. Um, but he began the season up top with the Sharks. It's a new organization. It's a new system. Um, you know, according to him, the things that they're doing here in San Jose are quite different than what they asked him to do in the Carolina organization. So sometimes I think that gets lost a little bit in the shuffle. You look at the numbers, you expect that stuff to pick up really where it left off the season of before, but you've got to kind of give a bit of a grace period in terms of that adjustment. And you know, you would think maybe that's uh, turned a corner as well for him. I mean, seeing him score that hat trick the other night, uh, the first of his career, he had only scored, you know, multiple goals in a game one time prior. So a little bit out of the blue, but certainly encouraging to see. You know, he's a offensively minded defenseman, and at this level in the AHL, 
you know, he could fill in on a spot start in the NHL, but the AHL level, he's, you know, he's that dynamic offensive producer. So, you know, he had just two goals prior, no assist, still has no assist, but he gets the three goals and now up to five goals on the season. Um, certainly an encouraging sign to see, you know, maybe him gaining a bit of confidence now at this point in the season. Yeah, and Trevor Carrick was a player that I was really excited about obtaining for the Barracuda this season. I mean, obviously Calder Cup champion, and he'd been in that organization for a while. When I attend games, one of the things I really like to look at is how the players act during warm-up and just, just their overall, I don't know, just how they're coming off. And Trevor Carrick in training camp and at the start of the year seemed just not loose, just very tight with everything. Just, I guess he was finding his way. Now when I see him, when he gets interviewed, obviously you're going to be really loose after a hat trick like Trevor Carrick did on Wednesday. But he just overall, when I see him, the interviews that you post on the Barracuda YouTube and just all, all of your media posts and everything that Carrick's involved with, he just seems like he's starting to find his way now with the team. Um, have you noticed anything just like in the locker room? Does he seem a little like he, like he's fitting in better? Uh, you know, from the start, he you know he's a happy-go-lucky type of guy. Just has kind of that that personality that draws people to him. He's a guy that you want to hang out with away from the rink. He just has a fun personality. He's an easygoing type of guy. So. The transition coming here wasn't a major issue for him. I, I thought oh, okay. that he, he transitioned quickly in terms of being comfortable with the guys, but they also gave him a letter right away just because of his, his experience and where the rest of the team is at. No surprise with that, you know, with the Calder Cup championship. And that comes with a little bit of pressure trying to be a vocal voice in the locker room with guys that, you know, you don't really know that well. So um, there's a bit of adjustment there. I mean, I think you got to factor in. Apologize, guys. They're doing some vacuuming here, but uh, you got to factor in the fact that he's coming across the country, played his entire you know career in one organization. It's a new organization, new guys that he's got to get comfortable with. Again, he started up with the Sharks, so now he's got to get used to an, a whole other team. Um, I don't know if that's the major factor and the reason for what uh, you know the slow start for him, but I think you got to factor in that stuff because. Um, I know if we went to a different job and we had new coworkers and, you know, we didn't know anybody. And even if you have an outgoing personality and you're talkative, there's still that kind of weird, you know, awkwardness that goes along with meeting new people and getting comfortable in a new setting. So, um, just the, you know, scoring the three goals on Wednesday, I think it is probably an indication that he is feeling more comfortable. I talked to him actually today at practice, got a, a few audio quotes from him. And, um, that was the vibe from him. He said, I just do, I do feel like I'm getting more comfortable. I feel like I'm starting to understand the systems more, um, just kind of what my expect, the expectations are from the organization. So, um, I would expect things to start trending upward for him. Yeah. Is it the same thing for Johnny Brodzinski, you think, uh, coming over from, spending his whole career with the Kings organization. And uh, I even called him out on Twitter uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. I said that I thought, you know, because I've, I've been a fan of him his whole career, especially with Ontario. I thought he was fantastic against the Barracuda. Uh, but I know he was coming off of a major shoulder surgery last year. And I felt like he just the effort wasn't there. And I, I said, you know, if you want to get back to the NHL, you have to earn yourself a call up. Uh, now, I'm not saying that my tweet sparked anything by any means, but I did happen to notice that 
shortly thereafter, he started liking some of my random one-off tweets, which I was like, oh, did he see that? And then now all of a sudden, he's got nine points in six games. So shut up, Mr. Lacey. I'm going to give you the effort. Um, do you think Johnny is... Uh, it's all you know, about you, fit, dude. Feeling a little yeah. there too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to uh, admit to the fact that the tweet maybe got him going, but hey, whatever <laughs> motivates you, right? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It definitely has been a factor changing organizations. I mean, the the system that they run down in LA. He admitted just the other day when he had that big game uh, in that nine two win. Um, the systems are are quite a bit different. What they ask you to do in San Jose is is a lot different than what they ask you to do in LA. So. That was a factor. Again, another guy that's been up and down. He also, you mentioned he had that bad shoulder injury um, last year. He missed most of the year. Well, he got digged up again this year. It wasn't the same shoulder, but he, he got hurt again. So he missed a couple games. and That messed up with some of his rhythm. But you can see over this six-game stretch in which he has points in his last six games, I mean, he's just dominating. He's a dominating American League player when he's on his game and he's playing with confidence. Um, but, man, it's it was fun to watch him down in Ontario. It's fun to watch him right now because he's playing with this swagger. And he gave credit to his line mates, and, and deservingly so. It feels like he's got some good chemistry with the group they have him with right now. But, I mean, he's just a different player than what we saw a month and a half ago. I mean, he is just uh, – he's all over the ice. He's a puck hound. He's quick. And uh, I actually talked to, to Mike Stuthers, who's the head coach of the Ontario Reign, the other day. And he talked about Brodzinski, and Brodzinski said it was – he's one of his favorite coaches, if not his favorite coach, that he's had during his pro career. Uh, but Stuthers had some very complimentary comments about him as well. But one thing he said, he said, you know what, a guy like that, you just want to sit there and watch him shoot a puck because he can shoot as good as anybody. You know, I put him up against any guy in the NHL. He's got that type of release, that type of shot. Um, but he can do other things as well. He's kind of, uh, you know, he's pretty well built. He's about, you know, six, about six foot, but he's pretty stout. Um, he, he can add a physical uh, element to his game. So wouldn't be surprised if Brodzinski gets another look up in the NHL just by the way he's playing. The type of caliber player I think he is and can be. Um, you know, I think if he got a, a shot healthy and was feeling himself, had his game going in the direction that we know it can go, um, I think he'd probably have an opportunity to stick with the Sharks because I think, I think that highly of him as a player, seeing him, you know, in Ontario prior to this year for the last few years. I mean, just a dominating American League player. There's no reason why he couldn't go up to the NHL and contribute. Um, you know, maybe not the, at the same pace, but still as a, a very productive offensive force at the NHL level. I really look forward to, a, you know, post-game comments where he, you know, name checks Lacey as, you know, the key, the key component just, to all of his changes. I, I, I didn't think anything of it until he got into my Twitter news feed and went, oh, he's seeing what I'm writing. <laughs> I guess it's one. Yeah, right. It's one thing when you're, oh, you can say it, you don't know if they see it. They see it, you're like, oh. Man, it wasn't bang. meant to be a call out, but <laughs> hey, maybe it didn't Whatever it accidentally takes. became one. I don't Whatever know. it takes. <laughs> well, one of the things that we obviously are aware of as Sharks fans, of course, uh, the fans of the big club are clearly going to be aware of the fact that there have been some changes behind the bench. Obviously, you have getting to Bokoff, Mike Ricci, Roy Summer, all getting call-ups, if you will. Uh, <laughs> so how does this impact uh, the Barracuda bench going forward, and what are the changes fans can see there? Yep, I just did a video actually today um, with uh, our general manager, Joe Will, that's actually on YouTube right now. If fans want to go check it out, it's about 13 minutes long, just kind of giving a bit more clarity on what Barracuda fans should expect from a coach's standpoint, um, who's going to kind of fill those roles, 
Um, just an overall kind of look at the organization from an American League standpoint. Uh, Mike Chason, Jimmy Botto, those are going to be the two co-coaches. They didn't give them the headline as co-head coaches. They're co-coaches. They're going to take over the role for what you would expect for the rest of the year. And Roy Sommer obviously went up. Evgeny Dabakov has went up as the goaltending coach. Mike Ricci has went up as an assistant coach as well. So that just kind of shuffles everybody back into, you know, into a weird spot. So you got two young coaches. We, you know, with Chason and Bono, I think they're very capable of taking over this role. They're they're um, in their career in terms of coaches, very uh, green. You know, they're really only a year and a half into their coaching careers, but Bono was around the program for a long time as a tough guy in the American League and in the coast. And uh, Mike Chason, a really intelligent hockey mind. They're pretty excited about him. He was a scout for a couple of years, just like Bono was before they took over as assistant coaches. So, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. But, um, you know, from the tone that uh, Joe Will had and the things that he had to say, I think, um, you know, he feels perfectly comfortable with uh, the guys being in the hands of those young coaches. But, Again, there's going to be an adjustment period. Roy Sommer, uh, he's about the most consistent thing, uh, you know, in this organization over its history. He's been here for uh, 22 seasons uh, as an assistant coach or as a head coach in the HL, a couple seasons as an assistant with the Sharks. So um, going to be weird without him on the bench. So, you know, there's going to be an adjustment there. It's a different voice for the players. But, um, you know, hopefully they can pick up kind of where the team was trending because the team was trending in upward direction, I felt, over the last couple of weeks uh, no, but uh, we'll see. Only time will tell on, on how things go from here. Well, I, I mean, I I, uh, I think it's about time that the bolo came back to the NHL behind the bench. Come on. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think about that? You guys like it? I'm j- I don't know if you're familiar, but <laughs> a couple years ago, I want to say meh, four or five years ago, there was a Twitter account that was began that began called at NHL ties. Oh, and wow. this guy would uh, just cut, watch every, you know, clearly had the center ice package, was watching every game and just really pointing out when, whether it wasn't so much coaches on occasion, but he was really focused on the broadcasters. <laughs> and it was, if you had the, the you know, the dimple right, uh, the teardrop, all sorts of things went into this. Uh, it was the way you held your microphone if you were when you were holding it, if you were blocking the knot, you know, it was called the oak method. Couldn't mm. couldn't be like this. Had to be off to the side because got to show it off. And gotcha. uh, and there there were a few people. I, I, I'll be honest. There's a few uh, broadcasters in the NHL that were uh, when they met the guy in person more than a couple times. He was met with you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you ruined my life with this stupid account. Uh, so, uh, but I'm all for any at NHL bolos. Uh, but okay. I just, I don't know that there's going to be available. I don't I know. That assume... this, right. And I, but I just yeah, don't know that there's going to be so. much in the way of competition, but uh, no, I think he's in a bit of a, he's in a bit of a league of his own, but I will have, you know, this, I have already looked at bolo ties because we did have a Cuda country day coming up later in the season. And it was supposed to honor Roy Sommer, Roy Sommer-Bavo, and he's only been asking for it for about 21 years. So we finally got him one, <laughs> and now he leaves, and he goes back up to the NHL. But in honor of Roy, I will find a bolo tie of some sort. We're going to try to get the whole staff to wear them. We talked about even trying to give away bolo ties as maybe a giveaway promotional type thing, but it didn't come to be. We've got the bobblehead, though, so we'll have to, we'll have to rock some bolo ties in honor of Roy. But uh, 
in his fashion, in very much Roy Sommer fashion, he rocked the bolo tie in his return to the NHL. And hey, I tip my cap to him. That was uh, that was impressive. <laughs> oh man, oh man, yeah, you know. And Roy Sommer, Coach Sommer, uh, first game officially as uh, Sharks' new assistant head coach, still found himself on the Barracuda bench on Wednesday. Uh, so my question is, does he? technically get another wind of his resume or I think is this so. officially co-number win for Michael Chason and Jimmy Bono? <laughs> I think with Roy on the bench, it's probably going to be his win. I, you know, it was such a whirlwind leading into the game on Wednesday, just because, you know, everybody found out this information about an hour and a half before puck drop. So, you know, everybody's scrambling. Nobody knows what's going on. I didn't know that Roy was going to be on the bench until I looked out and saw him on the bench. So that just shows that uh, no one really knew what was going on. I thought he may not be on the bench. I had heard the information that he was going to be named an associate coach. So I knew he was leaving, So yeah. I, but I just wasn't sure whether he'd be on the bench. So I saw him down on the bench and said, okay, here we go. And, uh, hey, he was on the bench. Team one, I think that's probably his win. Jimmy and uh, Mike can start their uh, win streaks uh, starting uh, starting hopefully on Saturday. Nice, nice. Um, so w- one last question just re- about the coaches, because the Toronto Marlies recently went through this where Sheldon Keefe was promoted to the NHL club and they had Rob Davison and A.J. McLean split duties for all of about two games. And then Greg Moore ended up being named the head coach of the Marlies. Do you see uh, a situation where uh, Fano and, and Chason are only the co-head coach for a few games and then the Sharks bring someone else in? Or do you think this is this is going to be it for for an indefinite period? I certainly think that's a good question. At this point, there's no indication that these guys aren't going to be the guys. Um, you know, there was nothing that was kind of hinted at me that someone else would be coming in mm-hmm. in, in the near future. Pretty much, you know, uh, it was described to me that these are going to be the guys moving forward for the remainder of the season. Now, after this year... Um, according to Joe, they're going to go back to a traditional structure. They're not going to try to, you know, start something, some new trendy thing where you have two coaches. That's just something they're not going to do. But for now, unless you win the call, yeah, maybe that maybe you start it. You see, see dual quarterbacks nowadays, um, you know, in football, but um, yeah, yeah, at this point, it looks like these are going to be the guys. And I think uh, in order for them to have success, they've got to have, you know, the full commitment from the organization, from the brass that they know, you know, somebody's not just got to slide in. Right. And the same message is being told to the players as well. You know, there needs to be some clarity and some transparency, transparency for these guys. So, um, you know, all indications pointing these guys are going to be all year. And that's what uh, Joe said today when I spoke to him. And I assume that's uh, that's going to be uh, be the case for the rest of the year. So um, I would assume these are going to be the guys. All right. Um, I don't know that you've heard anything, but, you know, as we're discussing this on a Friday night, uh, Rod Deal was put on waivers earlier today uh, with the expectations that he will clear. Do you expect it to see him on the ice tomorrow for the Barracuda? Yeah, I would expect him to play tomorrow if, uh, you know, if he clears, um, you know, to be determined about that from uh, Lukash's, um, you know, body of work, you would expect him to probably get through. I mean, that's no knock. It's just kind of how the the lay of the land, you know, for guys to get claimed, it's almost sometimes rare when it happens. So it's more often with a, with a guy of his age and, you know, with his, I guess, lack of experience in North America being just a second year, you would expect him to clear. So if he does clear, 
from a hypothetical standpoint, I'd expect him to be in tomorrow. He's a, he's a nice piece that you can add to your AHL roster with some good NHL experience last year has proved that he can play at the NHL level. And he's a big body at like six, maybe six, three and probably 215 pounds. So big power four, that would be a nice addition. And at the end of last year, when he was with the Barracuda, he was going up and down, but he did spend some time with the Barracuda near the end of the year. And he really, um, was, you know, a dominating player at that level. So, you know, he hasn't played a lot this year with the Sharks. I think he's only played six games, if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't have any mm-hmm. points. So um, not a huge sample size this season so far. Uh, don't quote me on the games he's played, but I don't think he's played a lot. So um, we expect to probably be a little rusty, but it would be nice to have him back in the lineup. Well, uh, between now and the end of the month, uh, Barracuda play seven games, including four at home, four versus Stockton. Start off with a home-and-home home versus Stockton. Um, and... You want to tell people what's going on with over the next three home games, the Gilroy Strong jerseys? Yep, absolutely. Of course, you know, with the tragic events um, in the summer at the Gilroy Garlic Festival, we're, we're helping uh, raise some money over the month of December. The Sharks are doing something as well in January, but uh, Veracruz are wearing warm-up jerseys. They said Gilroy Strong, if you guys have seen him yet, uh, essentially a, a white Sharks or white Barracuda jersey with a really cool Gilroy Strong logo on the, on the crest. Um, a big, big orange kind of circle behind to kind of encapsulate the logo, but really cool look. And um, the money helps uh, aid some of the families affected uh, in the Gilroy uh, Strong Foundation. So um, it's through the Sharks Foundation who kind of is going to, you know, mediate the funds that come through. But you could bid on these jerseys um, by going to barracudadigester.com. Um, that's the site where you can bid on the, the game-worn jersey. So they'll be worn actually just in, pre- in uh, warm-up, so they won't be game-worn, but they are worn. So um, they'll wear them all five games during the month of December, and then um, they'll auction them off as the month continues along. So um, it's a great cause. It's going to uh, some uh, much-needed um, needed areas. So you know, hopefully if you have, have the ability uh, to get your hands on one of these jerseys, we hope you can do so, and you're, you're helping out a great cause as well. So it's going to culminate with the uh, last game of December, Pucks and Paws? Yep, Pucks and Paws, December 29th. I don't know if you guys have dogs, but if you do, uh, and uh, anybody uh, listening or watching, it's a great opportunity to bring your dog to the SAP Center. When do you get to do that? Um, It'll be the third annual Pucks and Paws game. You can bring your dog. $5 ticket for the dog, $10 ticket for humans. Um, A little designated area of uh, water stations for the dogs, ability for the dogs to go in and out. Um, outside of the building so you're not stuck inside in case you know they've got to go to the bathroom or, or what have you so it's, it's one of the best games of the year in my opinion it's pretty fun to turn up the sound mics and the ice mics rather and uh, hear the dogs barking it adds a little uh, extra sound effects uh, when the game's going on and I've never thought of this uh, the two previous pucks and paws games but uh, chuck a puck you, you you better watch out because you start throwing those pucks out there and hold on to your dogs yes so. We would assume, uh, you know, when they count, count all the pucks, we'd assume a few are going to be uh, – they're going to be a few short. I would assume a couple <laughs> of those pucks are going home as uh, chew toys for the dogs. I was yeah. going to say, there might be a couple that are a little slobbery. <laughs> yeah, a couple puncture holes in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of In the Reef. We'll, of course, talk to you in 2020. Have a great holiday. Uh, have a great new year. And hopefully we just uh, continue to see the Barracuda uh, take December the way that it's been going so far. Because so far it's been not too shabby. Appreciate it, guys. Happy holidays to you as well. And uh, go Sharks, go Cuda. We'll talk to you guys all soon.